Welcome to episode number three of the Mental Health Marriage. Let's talk about our kids. This is a podcast for the spouses and partners of those who are mentally ill. I'm your host, and for the sake of my husband's anonymity, you can call me M. As the spouse of a man with bipolar two, I will share my story, my struggles, and my insights with you. And I hope to build a community where we can all laugh and cry together at the paradox and irony that mental illness can be. I hope we can help each other keep it together and thrive despite the major setbacks. I believe we create our futures and that we can make better lives for ourselves and for our families. It's so easy for us and our spouses who are ill to get sucked into what I call the black hole that is depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder. There can be so much misery, lack of energy, obsessive thoughts and worry about the future, when in reality there are so many moments when our kids are sitting right in front of our faces needing us to show up for them. If we haven't worked on ourselves and our own mental health, we may not have the emotional capacity to show up for them. Or maybe we do all that we can out of duty to be there for them, but it doesn't feel fulfilling like it should because we've just given away all that we have to give and there is nothing left. If this sounds familiar to you, well, it's probably familiar to every parent, let's be honest, it's not an easy job. But I was thinking today it might be a good idea to share some of my struggles that I've had with my oldest daughter. She's the one who was in the thick of it when things were the worst and she luckily I think she's forgotten a lot of this still just because she is still pretty young it's both of my daughter's birthdays this week their birthdays are one day apart from each other they're three years apart but one's on the 27th of September and the other is the 28th so my older daughter's turning five she's still pretty young but yeah there was a lot that happened in the first four years of her life and It took me a long time to piece things together to see how the way that I was acting and the way my husband's acting was definitely affecting her emotionally. So I've talked about this a little bit, but when she was born up until, honestly, she was so, just the easiest baby, so delightful, so smart. She was just a light. And I really do feel like she was a gift to me. And so for the first three years of her life, she was just my little buddy and kind of my partner, and she was always with me. So even at the worst of times, I felt like I wasn't alone. I I was responsible for her, and it was a lot of work to take care of her, but I definitely felt just a huge companionship with her. So we have always been really close, and we're very affectionate. She's luckily still to this day. She just loves to snuggle with me, and it's the best. But I think because of the way that her life started and I think I started being emotionally dependent on her. I I relied on her bringing me joy and I, I just needed that from her. Which isn't all bad because I think we're supposed to get joy out of parenthood. But... I I can just tell, so, I don't know, I should have put a little more thought into the order I was going to share this, but, so she doesn't remember my husband's hospitalizations, I don't think she remembers him going through ECT, and I never had any problems with her at all until our second child was born, but that was at the same time when my sister died, and we were also you know, going to be moving 
and we had started potty training with her. And at that time, she hadn't started preschool yet, but she was more than, well, besides the potty training problem, she was more than ready for school because she's, she's always been very social and likes to be around other kids. And so I think she probably was just starting to get lonely and bored because it was just her. But then mom has a new baby, and obviously that takes up a lot of time and energy, and she struggled with that transition so much. And I know it's normal for a kid to struggle, but there are still times, even now, my younger one's turning two, and yesterday she had a crying meltdown about having to share mom and how it's not fair. She doesn't, and I do stuff with them a lot. Like yesterday I was pulling them around outside in the wagon. I read them tons of library books. We sat down and made cards for cousins yesterday. We just did all of this stuff together. And in her mind, I, I maybe maybe she has kind of a scarcity mindset, like mom. Mom's love is limited in some way, and I'm trying to to figure out where that comes from. But I did notice that things just started to really get bad when I was at my worst. So, when my sister first died, I definitely became emotionally withdrawn. I was just very defeated. I'm sure I was still loving and affectionate to her, but kids are so perceptive. She knew that I was sad, and she just started acting out. And this manifested mostly in just fits of rage, just screaming about about nothing. And I know that this is also normal toddler behavior, so part of this is just normal developmental stuff. But I think the problems arose in the way that I started reacting to it. I did not do well with this child who I was so used to her being so cheerful and bringing me so much joy. I just almost didn't mentally know how to cope with her suddenly feeling like an enemy. It's like she would just scream at me about everything and suddenly it was so much I was never doing enough for her. She was just so demanding and so we really struggled and this continued for a year and potty training with her took way longer than any most kids I've ever heard of it it was almost like a power thing she had over me and so she wasn't willing to be independent that's another one of the problems that we saw is when she was two and she figured out she was able to do something on her own she insisted upon doing it. Like they, they have to do those things. They feel good about themselves when you don't have to help them. For some reason, when she turned three, this all went out the window, and she wanted me to do every single thing for her. We're talking spoon feed, get her dressed, like be with her 24 hours a day, like I couldn't leave her alone. Just really high maintenance. Still to this day, I struggle to get her to put her shoes on by herself. And she's five. Like, she can definitely do it by herself. But this is just something that maybe she associates with feeling loved and not being alone. She just, she can't handle being alone. And she can't handle feeling like she's left to her own devices with anything. Which really has worried me. Because you want kids to be independent and confident. So, um, during that year, I obviously figured out that I had a lot of emotional stuff to work through, and I started working through it and going to counseling. So, 
this whole year was transformative personally for me, definitely in my marriage, even though my husband was still struggling. But it was also a realization that something wasn't right with the way that I was parenting. And I pretty quickly realized that the something that wasn't right was me. Because kids basically just are a mirror. So if my child is screaming at me and demanding attention, oh, that's just as emotional to even think about this. That's because that's how I was feeling. Like, I, somebody freaking help me. Don't leave me alone. Don't make me do this by myself. I mean, what a revelation. Like, that is exactly what I was feeling on the inside, and my child was manifesting it outwardly. So, um, a dear friend of mine is a, a marriage therapist. Um, so that's what she went to school for. She wasn't practicing at the time, but she, we had daughters who were the same age. So her and I talked a lot, and she had recently had a loss in her family. She had lost a cousin. And so we were kind of emotionally in the same place. We were both feeling overwhelmed in parenting, but luckily she recommended this amazing book to me. So if you haven't heard of it, the book is called Peaceful Parent, Happy Kids, and the author is Laura Markham. So I read this book due to my friend's recommendation, and it only took about one chapter into the book for me to completely have my eyes open to what the problem was. And the first chapter basically is like, you need to be the emotional adult, and you need to handle your own feelings because you can't teach a child to emotionally regu regulate themselves if you cannot regulate your own emotions. So the worst thing to do, of course, when our child is reacting is to react back. I mean, this sounds so obvious. Like if your child's screaming at you, the worst thing you can do is scream back at them. But when you're in such a bad place emotionally and your sweet little child is screaming at you, I mean, for me, I struggled with this so much. I am not the kind of person to lose my temper and yell. Like, I, I actually hate confrontation, so my husband and I hardly ever fight. I don't, I, I'm much more of a withdrawer. So the fact that my daughter was able to elicit this strong of a, an emotional reaction from me was very disturbing to me. I, there came a time in this year where I felt out of control. I I would scream at her at the top of my lungs multiple times a week. I had to refrain myself from hitting her. And I, I don't know. It's hard to say stuff like this out loud because we all want to think that we're better parents than this. And I, I let me state I am not an abusive parent. But, like, those feelings would arise and it scared me. It's like, I obviously love this child more than anything on earth. But right now, I... I'm so angry at her that I can't, I can almost not control myself. So I definitely have empathy for people who lose control. I mean, it's not okay. Like, it's never okay to hit a child. I don't think it's okay to yell at a child either. But it happens because we haven't dealt with our own crap. So the first thing in that book says, make yourself a promise right now, today, that you are done yelling at your children. And I loved the finality of that thought. And so I was very serious when I was reading this book. I was not reading it passively. I was reading it because I was willing to put in the work and to do better with my daughter. So I did. I made myself a promise. I am done yelling. I am not yelling at her anymore. So that was step one. And then obviously step two is when you feel like yelling, what are you going to do instead? Because, I mean, that's definitely an easier promise to make than to keep.
So the second step is do, do the work emotionally for yourself. Figure out why those particular behaviors are setting you off so strongly. Maybe there's something in your own childhood. And for me, uh, we're going to get real personal here, but um, something that I struggle with from my past is that my dad made it very clear from an early age that it wasn't okay to be emotional. So, and you know, obviously I'm a person and I'm a girl and I was a teenager once and I was a, I went through all these phases of development and I was a highly emotional person. This also came with emotional intelligence. It also came with the ability to experience really high levels of joy and happiness. Like I kind of, I guess my roller coaster of emotions as a young person was pretty steep. I went up and down a lot. Um, so yeah, my, my dad was very uncomfortable with me showing and expressing emotion. So if I wanted his love and approval, the best thing I could do is hide it or suck it up. Sometimes I would just figure out that he wasn't a safe place for that. So I would, my mom was mostly okay with it, but yeah, I mean, that was definitely deeply imprinted in me that it's not okay for you to be emotional. So I want my kids to, I don't want to pass that on because it was damaging to me and it has made me struggle to share emotionally in relationships and yeah, it's caused a lot of problems. So I obviously don't want to pass that on to my kid, but somewhere subconsciously that's imprinted in me. So when I see my own daughter freaking out like that, something in me still says, no, that's not okay. We do not act like this. This is inappropriate. So instead of, I'm a safe place for you. And these feelings can be scary, but you don't need to be afraid of them. Having feelings is normal. I'm sure you've all heard the analogy of the storm. Like it's just a storm. Let's wait it out and it will pass. And it's okay and it's normal. And I'm here for you when you feel this way. So that's the mentality I've tried to adopt. And I will say from that day forward, I think I didn't yell at my kid for six months. Like, I kid you not. Now, I have since relapsed. <laughs> and the book also talks about you're not going to be perfect at this and you need to forgive yourself ahead of time. So I have yelled at my child since then, but I catch myself really quickly. I have a lot more moments when I want to yell and I have that thought and I'm like, ooh, I'm about to lose it. And I can tape it, take a deep breath. Sometimes I have to step back. And sometimes when I want to smack her or yell at her, I just give her a big hug instead. And sometimes it starts as a hug out of like, I'm so mad at you, but I don't know what to do. But, you know, very quickly, it changes things so quick with her. Like I give her a hug and I'm like, I love you. I'm a little frustrated right now. Let's take a deep breath. And so often it calms her down and just shows her, okay, mom still loves me, even though I'm having a hard time right now. So I won't go into all the gory details, but the, th the third year of her life was so hard. And the fourth year was just so much better. I mean, a lot of it had to do with the fact that our lives became more stable. My husband has been in a stable job for the last year. So all of those factors are part of the equation. But I think the biggest thing was that I worked on myself emotionally and I'm in a better place. And so she feels more secure. She has been doing really well in school. She's 
She seems a little less afraid to try new things, although she's still she's still a cautious person, and I'm sure part of that's just her nature. But yeah, things are a lot better with her, and people have noticed, like both of our my in-laws and my parents, like they have gone maybe six months without seeing her, and they've noticed a drastic difference in her behavior and in her attitude. And her teachers are lately just telling me what a happy kid she is. And so I'm so relieved that I mostly figured it out with her. But I will say we, we still obviously struggle. We're, it's a mother-daughter thing. I'm sure we always will. So something that we try to do now, um, well, back up a little bit. So in the book, it talks about how if your child is acting out emotionally or just behaviorally, it's because they do not feel that the bond between you and them is strong. They're feeling disconnected from you. So the worst thing you can do is punish them or isolate them and make them feel more disconnected from you. So the solution to these behavior problems is create a stronger bond and create a stronger connection. Like it starts with the bond. So something that it suggested is something we call special time. So this is still, I don't know why, this is still so hard for me, but we set aside a time every day. 15 minutes is the bare minimum. Sometimes I throw her a bone and make it 20, 25 minutes, but it's uninterrupted mommy-daughter time where it's supposed to rotate every other day. One day I choose the activity, the next day she chooses. And a lot of the time she just wants to play make-believe, like we'll play doctor. One day we we had like a massage therapy and we, we gave each other hand and foot massages while we listened to spa music. But then, of course, I added an element of I was a fairy and I was giving her a magical massage that would give her powers and all this. So, and she's just so delighted by this. And it seems like if, if I take time to do special time, the whole day goes better. But I will say, I struggle. I am not, I don't like playing pretend. I'd rather go outside and jump on the trampoline with her. I would rather do like sporty type things. I'd rather take her on a hike. I'd rather take her on an outing. But for some reason, she just wants to play make-believe. And so I have to suck it up and enjoy it. Sometimes I can find myself letting go and actually enjoying it. We played charades the other day with movie titles, and we got really into it. And it was just really fun. And the whole day went better. Yesterday, her little sister woke up from her nap early, and we didn't get a time to do special time. And she completely melted down, and it was so frustrating because it wasn't my fault. I was planning on doing with her, and we kind of struggled the whole rest of the day, even though I was still trying to do things with her. So maybe not every kid is as extreme as my daughter, but she demands that I have this bond with her. And it's important because the premise is if they don't feel connected to you now, and if they don't trust you now, and if they don't know they can turn to you now, When they're a teenager, it ain't going to happen. It's too late. You have to start now. So even though sometimes I just want that 15 minutes for her to leave me alone instead of of playing dress up with her or whatever it is. But boy, 15 minutes is nothing if in the future, if she's having some moral dilemma with a friend or some crisis... I want her to talk to me. I want her to be connected with me. I want 
to be that person in her life that shows up for her. So I have to show her that that's who I am now. And it is not easy for me. I <laughs> I struggle because I'm a creative person. I'm a social person. If I was just a stay-at-home mom and that's all I did, I literally think that I would be the most depressed person in the world. I I just... It's not me. I struggle. So... I'm happy that I have a job that I do from my home because I talk, I get to talk to other people every day. I get to use my music every day. I get to be creative towards something besides parenting every day. But it's my natural reaction to want to really push myself into all these other things and to not want to play with my kids. So it's, it's hard for me to find a balance. I still, it's a daily struggle. Because I think if I were to just give, 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 and give my kids all my time, they'd probably be thrilled. But eventually I would deteriorate. And then it would start this whole vicious cycle again where I'm unhappy and they start mirroring my behavior. So if anyone has found the right balance, let me know how to do that because I definitely haven't figured it out yet. And it would be nice if my husband didn't... His job... He's gone all day long, from 7.30 in the morning until about 8.30 at night. So I can't hand them off to go do my thing. I have to find a way to keep them entertained or to hopefully play with each other so I can run off and do something. And we try not to have too much screen time, but some days it's just impossible. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I haven't found the answer, but I think I do know that it is, it is a balance. If I were to give everything to my kids, there'd be nothing left for me and I would feel empty. But if I give too much time to my business and my creative pursuits, then I feel guilty because I've neglected my kids and my daughter starts being angry all the time. So I think part of the solution is when I am with them, when I am spending time with them, I have to be 100% with them. So this goes back to the mindfulness practices. It's... I can't be on my phone. I can't be thinking about something else. I, I maybe talked about this in my first episode, but one of my mindfulness practices is looking my children in the eye. And this helps draw me to present moment. If I, I want to notice what they're like today. I want to remember these interactions that I have with them. Yesterday, I was reading my younger daughter a book. And it was funny because I had a little gap between two of my... Um, clients that were coming over and it was probably only a five minute gap so I could have just like fiddled with my stuff but I went upstairs and I got a book and I read to my daughter and we kind of turned it into a little play we we acted out the book and we did all these movements and kind of turned it into a little play slash dance and my two-year-old thought this was the greatest thing that ever happened to her so she had a hundred percent of my attention and focus and it was only for about five minutes but the rest of the evening went so well and I tried to do that with my older daughter too. With we were we were playing outside earlier, and I really just tried to connect with her and do the things that she wanted to do and make her laugh and just try to add some joy to the day. For us, getting outside is always really helpful. So it's hard in the winter when you can't do that. But so these are the some of some of the things that have worked. Now you'll notice I didn't talk a whole lot about my husband today. Because I think it would be easy to blame this entire situation on him. If he was more well, then I would feel better taken care of as a wife. And maybe I wouldn't feel so drained all the time. So none of this would have ever happened. 
it'd be very easy to say that. And I guess I'm lucky too, because I, I mentioned before, he's such a great dad and he's much better at being present with them. And he's really good about like planning activities to do with them. I, I struggle with that a little more than he does. I, it's a personality thing. So I think in some ways, maybe we don't have the same struggles that other mentally ill parents would have. I know some depressed people can't even get out of bed, and I don't know what they're doing with their kids, and that's that's a huge problem. So there's the one-sided caregiving that happens with just the one person is taking care of the kids all the time. I mean, it's it's so complicated. Parenting is so hard anyway, so you add this other factor in, and it's just exhausting, and it feels unfair. So... In a lot of ways, yeah, there have been years when I've done everything for the kids, but at least through it all, my daughter is totally bonded to my husband. And sometimes it's actually kind of hard because I do so much for her and I make such an effort for her, but she's a lot less forgiving of me. This past couple weeks, she's been making all these cards for my husband and, like, giving him so much love, and the immature part of me has been a little jealous because I'm like, you gotta be kidding, child. Like, I give so much of myself to you, and you don't even notice. And actually, (laughs) maybe I shouldn't have even brought it up because, again, it kind of sounds immature, but I'm like, how come you're making all these cards for Dad? She's like, well, I know he hasn't been feeling good lately, so I thought he needed some extra love. How proud of her should I be? Like, that's amazing. She is. She really is so perceptive and so loving. So I'm so petty for being jealous. Like, I should be celebrating the empathy that she's showing. But instead, I kind of just kind of felt hurt. Like, you know, just because dad is showing that he doesn't feel good, sometimes mom needs some extra love too. And I told her that. And... I don't know, I feel like she has learned to be more forgiving. Like, if my husband loses his temper at her, she's just like, oh yeah, dad doesn't feel good. She just, it rolls off her back. So he he yells at her way more than I ever do. He loses his temper at her. But for some reason, in his case, it doesn't threaten the bond that he has with her. So, I don't know what that is, and I'm still trying to figure it out. But, you know, in summary, it's complicated and it feels unfair (laughs) because I try so hard with her and maybe it's just the fact, maybe it's just the mother-daughter thing. Maybe it has nothing to do with the mental illness. It's just, I don't know, maybe it's a woman-to-woman thing. Oh, but I love my daughters. I am blessed that I do feel very bonded to both of them. My younger daughter has had it easier, and we haven't struggled. That's not to say that we won't, because she's still pretty young and adorable. Maybe the same thing will happen when she turns three, but hopefully I'll know how to deal with it better. I'm the oldest child in my family, and I feel like my youngest sister was raised by different people than me, so it's a very common story. So with the oldest, I I feel for her, because I'm the oldest. I know what it's like to be the guinea pig child, and I just want to do the very best I can for her. So I'm sure that there's a lot of baggage and guilt that I carry that is also probably manifesting with her, but I 
I really am doing the best that I can, and I need to be forgiving. And the most important thing is that she knows that she's unconditionally loved. And I think she does know that. Um, it's really hard to to find that balance because I really do believe that nothing she ever does will make me stop loving her. It's not based on behavior. It's she belongs no matter what. But you also want to be a coach to your child and you want to help them develop positive habits and, you know, teach them how to act appropriately. So, boy, it is not an easy job. High five and hug to all you parents out there that are dealing with mental illness with with kids in the house. So I do want to hear from you in the future on ways that you manage when things are bad. It's it's rough, boy. <laughs> so what are some strategies that you all have to help your kids stay healthy? And how do you combat the fears of my kid may have this genetically in them, but I want to make sure that they're okay. I don't want my spouse's issues to add to the, any baggage that they could develop. But at the same time, you sort of have to have an understanding that our kids are going to have baggage one way or another. Let's just try our best to make it minimal and be forgiving for the fact that we are imperfect and that's how it's supposed to be. And they're going to learn some positive things from us. They're going to learn some negative things from us. And we just need to maintain that bond so that we can forgive each other and keep our family unit intact. So thank you for listening today. Again, I do plan to have other people on the show, but it's been a little tricky getting things lined up and getting all the equipment I need. So be patient. Keep tuning in. Tell your friends about it who you think this would be helpful to out to me. The email for the podcast is mentalhealthmarriage at gmail.com. Thank you for those of you who have subscribed and shared and hope you're all having a good week. We're still maintaining some positivity from the previous week and my husband's getting more sleep than usual. It's interesting. They added an anti-nausea to his sleep regimen which he's not nauseous, so it doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but apparently it's helping his restlessness calm down, so he's been sleeping better in the past week and a half than he has in the past year. So I really hope that this keeps up and he can get all his other meds in the right place. It's definitely feeling very hopeful. I'm actually excited about the future. I've got some travel plans coming up that I'm really excited for. There's a lot of good stuff going on, and I hope you guys are finding some moments of joy and some happy thoughts and happy places amid whatever stress you're going through. And I hope that we can all continue to be there for each other. Have a wonderful day.